Are you running a uh, Are you running a VPN all the time? Uh, as of the, as of today, yeah. I yeah yeah. I guess I don't really have anything to hide, but it's the principle. The principle, Paul. Right. Sure. No, I, I I get that. Yeah, I haven't had any problems. Like I haven't noticed any latency issues or anything like that while developing. And I'm you know I'm not streaming Netflix and and stuff while I'm working. So um, I don't you know I don't see any problems happening because of it. Sure. Was there something that prompted that? Is that just a kind of response to the the uh, the bill that's in that was just it just passed by the Senate, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's why. Um, I was twittering no. yesterday, and I saw a lot of people talking about it. And so I use Cloak VPN, and they were tweeting about it. Um, they were pretty bummed out about it, so they're just like, "Hey, you know, you don't have to use Cloak, but you should use something uh, if you care." And so I was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna turn it on right now." Yeah, I have Tunnel Bear. I should probably uh, start using that a bit more often, because, like you said, it's not it's not that there's anything necessarily that I have to hide, but I don't. It's it really well, is a principal want, thing. Like, People don't need to be making money off of me, you know. Like I, that doesn't seem fair. I should get a cut of that, right? If if my data is being sold, you would think. You would think. Uh, I saw also in the Twitter worlds that someone's kickstarting uh, a campaign to buy a bunch of the senators' data. The people that voted for the bill, um, they're wanting to kickstart that so that they can purchase the senators' browsing histories and post it online. There's a couple. There's a couple GoFundmes and stuff for that already, but I mean. This is not even a law yet, first of all. And secondly, even if it were already a law, there's there's no, like, we don't know how purchasing that data would even work. Nobody knows that yet. So I just don't, I don't really understand how how folks can already be saying, we're going to buy this this set of data. We don't even know that that's going to be something that you can just do or how that will work. You can't just go to the data store. And even, even if you could just go to an ISP, why would they, (laughs) why would they sell you data if they knew you were going to use it to actively harm people? I'd like some data, please. You're effectively, I mean, you're effectively doxing people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, But yeah, I'm using, I'm using VPN all the time. I mean, I have been already, you know, I used it basically the only time I wasn't using it was when I was at home and now I just turn it on. So I guess one benefit could be that I could switch locations and test out latency for my different apps, <laughs> you know, see if my, my CDN's doing its job. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't I really, didn't really noticing anything strange today. So that's cool. That's cool. It's amazing how reliable and affordable most of the VPN solutions have gotten these days. I'm paying $10 a month for unlimited data. Yeah, I think I paid like sixty bucks for a year of unlimited um, Tunnel Bear. They had a special, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. There's I, there was another one. I think I posted it in the Slack channel, um, talking about how they were doing a big sale because of the bill, and they. So what's interesting about them? I'll have to look it up in the show notes. But they actually have a solution for routers. If you have a certain brand of router, you can actually flash a router and VPN from the router level, which means you wouldn't have to be running VPN on all of your client devices or anything like that, which is pretty interesting. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the way to do it if you're super concerned about privacy because, I mean, nobody's going to set up a VPN client on all their game consoles right. and blah, 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 and usually there won't even be a way to do that. So if you just set it up at the network level, that's that's really the only way to make sure that all of your data is being sent securely, but it really just, I guess, depends on uh, on what your specific goals are. By running through a VPN. Yeah. I guess I'm just hop on, hopping on the hype train. 
I, I was just sitting there and I was reading the, the tweets and I was like, oh, I'll just flip the switch on. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, all right, well, I did it on my phone. I might as well do it on my computer. And that, that's that. So, yeah. Totally makes sense. Speaking of data, though, um, I've been having some fun today. So, um, I can, I should be able to say this Design Collective is launching on the 5th of April. The 5th, it's been, it's been stated now publicly, but. I'm just kind of getting ready for that. And part of my plan, you know, for the first couple of months is to uh, release what I've been working on. And I've been working on decoupling the API from the client side uh, because, as we've talked about before, I'm seeing just lots of RAM consumption and it's not necessarily coming from, you know, rendering my my um, serializers or anything like that. A lot of it's just coming from views, just crunching views. So I'm trying to remove that from the equation. And, uh, this has been my really like my first big foray foray into like Vuex. Um, I've used like central stores before in Redux, but nothing quite this large. And it's been pretty it's been pretty interesting. So uh, on the API side, I'm actually using um, the JSON API spec, and I'm using a specific gem called JSON API Resources uh, to handle that for me. And if you're not familiar with that, it's it's kind of like a declarative API setup where you kind of buy into how to do something. And by doing that, you get lots of features out of the box and you just kind of have to be okay with how things work. You know, that's the trade-off. Um, but what's been nice is that I set up, basically how it works is you set up a resource for each uh, model that you have. And that was that's what dictates, you know, how the relationships and how the actual resource is rendered out um, into data for your client. And what's nice is that you get a whole bunch of routes and you get a whole bunch of like resource CRUD routes um, just out of the box that just work. And um, it's it's kind of been really nice. So in my in my modules, uh, let's say that I have a store and the store has a bunch of products. Um, instead of you know hardwiring in there like get uh, get products by store ID, get products by sale ID or something like that. Instead I have one function called, I think it was called uh, get products by um, relationship ID. And so or get products by relationship. And you pass that a type, which is just a pluralized uh, relationship, and you pass it an ID. And so with one method, I can pretty much use my store to get any subset of products I need. So if I'm on a sale page, I use that method. If I'm on a store page, I use that method. If I'm on uh, a collection page, so say people can add products to a collection and share them, I use that same method. And so that's been really nice. I've been able to dry up a lot of my code by by doing small things like that. Are you doing any stuff with uh, local caching yet? Not yet. So like only making requests every n seconds or whatever, only updating your store from the server? No. So I've been thinking about that that stuff. I haven't ever had to do that before, so I'm not sure like the best way to approach that. Um, right now what I'm doing is if you view some products, I just push it into an array of all, like products.all. And then when you view a singular product, I check that place first. So it's kind of like an in-memory cache, but... It's not really it's not really fair to call it that, yeah. Yeah, that's a, a really similar setup to uh, what I have going on in um, in Nest Notes right now, which I think it should be relatively easy to add that sort of that sort of like only only update this collection from the server every n seconds or or however I end up wanting to set that up it should be pretty straightforward. I hope. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it hasn't. I haven't thought about it too much just because I know that I'm already going to be getting a huge performance benefit from doing this. And 
So that's, right. I guess that's my first thing. And, you know, down the road, I would really love this to be a progressive web app. And, you know, they talk about like wanting a mobile app and more like app-like experience on the iPad. And so that's kind of why I'm approaching this from a, a spa angle is because I can, I can get that, you know. Uh, so by using Nuxt and doing the SSR stuff, I can, I can get the benefits of actually shipping HTML to the browsers and people don't have to parse and load all the JavaScript before they see something, right? So I feel a little bit better about doing that. Not that I felt bad about it in the first place, um, but it just makes sense to do it this way. Uh, the big kicker, like I was able to sell it to my boss by saying, I'm going to cut the server cost in half. And they were like, done, <laughs> move it to the top of the priority list. You know, <laughs> uh, All I had to do is mention money and then we're like, let's do it You know, because we're trying to run things lean. Um, but for me, there's a lot of other benefits because obviously, you know, I'm saving on RAM costs. Um, I'm separating the UI. You know, another way I was able to sell it is like, you know, when we start needing to make design changes, the design changes don't touch the application. So I spun it as like, hey, this is way more stable. You know, I don't have to even go near the data layer here because they're not connected at all. So right. yeah, but that that side hasn't really, I haven't really spent a lot of time researching, looking into that yet. Um, it's, it does intrigue me, you know, because I wonder how like, how people approach that. I would never have thought that polling would be one way to do that or just saying, hey, don't check it unless X amount of time has passed. Um, but that's probably something I'm going to look into pretty soon. Yeah, I haven't gotten to the point where I've needed that yet on, on Nest Notes. Everything feels pretty pretty performant at this point. Um, uh, it may end up being an issue down the road when people have a lot of data, like a lot of moments saved in the system. Um, but right. I mean, at that point I'm going to be dealing with pagination and stuff anyhow. So I, I really don't see it being, being too huge of a deal. Yeah. It's just something I've been trying to keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things, the reasons why I haven't thought about that yet is because I have pagination in there. And so I can kind of control that at least, you know, set the pagination to some reasonable level and you can be pretty sure that your server is never going to get hit with a request that's a thousand or 2000 or whatever. And the nice thing about uh, the JSON API resources gem is by default, it has a max um, pagination value configured. So even if you tried, you couldn't ask for more data than than that number. So you can get a pretty, I mean, you can go a pretty long ways uh, just by implementing pagination and some caching, um, you know. So again, it hasn't, it just hasn't felt really, really pressing, but um, do you know of any other way? Like, how do people how do people usually handle something like that? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> I guess we'll have to figure it out. <laughs> That's probably why I love our jobs because we don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just have to figure it out. But it keeps things interesting for sure. I mean, that's that that's that on demand learning we're always talking about, I guess, right? Yeah. So I, uh, one of the things I'm working on, I haven't finished it yet today, but I'm re-implementing the uh, favoriting, so users can favorite. It's polymorphic relationships, so they can basically favorite whatever they want. Um, sure. And I was thinking to myself, you know, um, different sites like Canopy, they show when you load up products, if you favorited the product in the past, it shows you that you favorited this thing. And so I was wondering to myself, okay, and I've done that uh, with server-side rendered stuff before because that's easy. You know, um, you do it before the page is rendered. You just you have access to that data. But on the spa side and using Vuex in a single store, I don't necessarily have that. So I was trying to think of ways that I can implement that that feature without, you know, obviously the worst way to do it would be firing off an AJAX request for every favorite button on the that's rendered on the page. That'd be bad. Um, Another way that I came up with is um, exposing that uh, so I could do like users slash ID slash favorites and then storing all that relationship data in favorites.all or something like that, just in an array. And then 
um, querying against that. But that's still kind of, you know, you're having to run that calculation anytime a product is rendered. Right. One way I've done, I've dealt with that, and this may or may not be appropriate for your particular case, but one way that I've dealt with something similar in Nest Notes is uh, I'll have in my actual serializer, I'm not using the JSON API gem like you are. I'm just using uh, active model serializers, which I'm quite happy with at the moment. Um, but in my in my serializer for a given object, for, so for example, a moment is kind of like the main thing that people write in our system. Um, on when a moment actually gets rendered, it checks if there's a current user and whether they have permissions, and then it'll set like an editable flag on the actual JSON that gets shipped back to the client. Okay. So it's like virtual attributes. Right. Um, and that's something that's been working out super well for, for that sort of thing. So I can know if it's editable. I can know if it's if there's other like permission kind of stuff, attributes that I have on there. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So in, in your case, what you might be able to do is just for a product, you can just add a, a favorited mm-hmm. Boolean on it. Yeah, no, that makes a favorite of virtual attribute. That makes a ton of sense. I think like as soon as you started saying that, the light bulb kind of clicked in my head. Like, oh, I could just do it the other way. Uh, right. It just made, yeah. So uh, JSON, the JSON API or JSON API resources gem is actually really similar. It's pretty much a, like really really similar to um, AMS Active Model Serializers. It's just that uh, like the JSON API stuff comes with controllers that you can override if you want. Um, Right. So yeah. So anyway, I could I could certainly do virtual attributes on on the on those uh, those resources, and uh, a kind of nice thing about the uh, the resources is that there's actually a context. You have you have uh, the ability to tap into context, and usually you can set something like the current user in the context. So you could say um, you could do a conditional inside of that and add that attribute that way. And I'm pretty sure there's a really simple way to do that. So. Um, now I'm not going to be able to go to sleep <laughs> until I do that because <laughs> I was thinking about it in the car and I don't. It just didn't dawn on me to do it reverse way. But what the funny thing is, like the more that I do this, the like I'll consider something and I'll get stuck, and the answer is almost like the direct opposite of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that's something I've been noticing lately as well. It's a, a lot of times just kind of reframing how you're thinking about something and like, is there is there a totally different way to achieve this than the one I'm trying to make work? Because maybe the reason you're stuck trying to make it work. Is just that that's not actually the right solution, even right. if it seems like it. it seems like the most obvious one. Yeah. Well, the 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 forefront context in my mind is I am a user using this site, so that's where all of my my thinking flows through. And I guess you can think of it like this: if you go to the carnival, uh, it would be easier for you as a user if the vendors at the stands, if they had like a punch card or if they had like a um, like a tab running, so you could come up and say like, "What's my tab?" versus you keeping track of all that notes. And you go up to the vendor, then you have to look through all your notes. What's my tab here? You know. Um, so sometimes it's like you said, it's uh, it's hard to like switch out of my context where I'm the user and switch into the context where the product should probably be doing this because that's actually where the data is anyway. That's that's you know the the product should be able to say, "Hey, you can do something to me, or you can't do something to me." Right. Yeah. And I've got, uh, of course, in Nest Notes in the back end, there's there's actually you know a separate model that defines which user can access or edit which object in the system. But I'm trying to like really not expose a ton of that logic to the client and just just use these flags instead. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just because it's not really it's kind of an implementation detail, not really something that a consumer of the API should need to care about unless they're actively editing permissions. Yeah. Well, no, I think it makes a lot of sense to do that logic on the back end because like you're, I think you're right. I don't think the client should be the one figuring all that stuff out. The client should just react to flags on the data that is given. Um, I think that number one, a lot of the complexity that I'm going to be dealing with is in the client. 
especially since I'm using the the JR as it's called the JR gem. Most of my time is going to be spent writing client side code and it would make sense to make that easier on myself. And it also makes sense to not reinvent the wheel because the JR gem already gives me that context, the context in in the resource. So it would make sense that I, if the the current users in that context to set all that stuff there because then it's it's scoped to the user and I can test it on the API side. And I know that um, no one can somehow do something fiddly. I mean, obviously, if you're doing something like that in the client, you should also check it on the back end as well. Um, but I guess you can be doubly sure if you're only doing that logic on the back end that someone can't do something weird with the JavaScript and, and attack you that way. So you're, uh, you're using Nuxt on the, on the Design Collective split app, right? For, mm-hmm. the, for the front end? Yes. How, how has that been so far? Has it been a, a pretty pleasant experience? Have you even really noticed it much yet? Um, it's been fine. I haven't had any issues yet. Uh, somehow I think you've run into them before I have, and I've been able to benefit from you figuring stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've sent you quite a few links. It's like, you're probably going to hit this in a few days. Yeah, it's been pretty nice. Uh, the only thing that's really changed in my flow is that now I have to remember to check both cases. Uh, and by that, I mean check to make sure that my stuff is working when I navigate to it from the spa context and check to make stuff my work. my stuff is working when I refresh and come to the data from the server side. And a couple of times I've noticed inconsistencies there, but it's been my fault. Um, and so I think in general, if I'm following the recommended way of doing things, if I'm just reading the docs and I'm using the hooks provided for me, everything's been fine. It's been great. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. It's like I've definitely run into some issues with a server rendered page not being exactly what I expected or whatever, but it's always been pretty easy to resolve. And I've actually run into it less than I would have expected. Yeah. So one thing that I've, I've been thinking about too, and maybe you might have some insight on this is I'm trying to make sure that as much as the page as I can get loads or is loadable from the, the server side or is renderable from the server side. Uh, and so there's a couple of cases where, you know, with Nuxt, you have the pages directory and your components that have the page, pages directory have the fetch option. And the fetch option will, if it's a hard refresh or you know, um, not coming from the spa, it'll do that server side and serve up the rendered HTML. Uh, and if you're coming from the spa, then it gets that data and does the, the, the single page app thing with it. Uh, and there's been a couple of cases where I'm wanting to split out some of my components into just smaller components, right? I don't want a huge template for a page. I would rather have lots of small reusable components. And um, you can't, or I, as far as I know, you're not able to use the fetch um, the fetch method outside of a page level component. Yeah, you can only use them with page components. That's correct. Yeah, exactly. So for example, like a store page at the bottom, it has most recent inventory and a sale page basically has the same exact list. It's just different products. And a collection page has literally, it's the same component. It's just a different list of products, um, but uh, it looks identical, right? So instead of doing that three times, I obviously pulled it out into one component and I just pass an ID to that. And so that's kind of what I'm struggling with now is, you know, I would want as much data as I can um, have rendered by the server, but there's some cases where I'm moving data into smaller components and I have to do, so either A, move the fetching of that data into that smaller component or B, um, make sure that I pass data into the component. Um, So if I'm doing B, I can rely on fetch to get that stuff for me, but I really like the idea of if a component is rendering data, 
then it should be getting what it needs itself and not relying on something else to pass it in. Sure. So I don't actually pass any data to my components in that way. Um, I just use the fetch method to update things in my store. Okay. So basically all my fetch methods, all they do is just call actions in my store. Holy crap. That fetch data. Why didn't I think of that? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been working out pretty nicely so far. And I mean that you still have a little bit of sort of like responsibility being in the wrong spot because the component, the page component itself isn't precisely what needs the data it might be fetching. It's it's like a subcomponent of that page that actually needs the data. Right. But I'm I'm okay with that. It hasn't really been an issue so far um and it feels pretty Vuexy to me, I guess. Well, yeah, to me, that seems pretty okay because it's, it's super explicit. If it's in the fetch method, you know why you're doing it there. You know why the data is being grabbed there. And in my, in my, uh, my child components, the child of the page components, they're going to get, they're getting the data from Vuex anyway. So I'm not actually doing any Ajax calls outside of my store, outside of my actions. Um, that's a rule of thumb that I'm setting for myself is I'm not actually doing any sort of Ajax dispatches uh, requests outside of this store. Uh, so the child components are just dispatching an event anyway, or just, they're dispatching an action, which does the thing. So uh, it's hilarious that I didn't think of that because it makes sense. You know, I could just call it some, I could just like prefetch that data for myself. And then my view actions will either a um, see that there's data there and use it, or if there's not, it's going to just do a, a new fetch for that data. Right. And what's really nice about that is it, it's still really flexible. So if you want a specific thing to be rendered on the server, then you just drop the action call into the uh, into the fetch method. If you want it to be, if you want this to actually happen on the client for some reason, for whatever reason that might be, there's several valid ones I think. But if you want that to be the case, then you can just keep keep the fetch or keep the uh, action call inside the the child component. That's been one of the nicest things I think about Vuex so far is that if I want some data, I just dispatch an event from whatever component, and it doesn't feel weird. Uh, because that's what Vuex is for. And I've in the past, before I started using stores, you start having like isolated state everywhere. And then you start having, you can start having like isolated Ajax calls everywhere, which doesn't feel nice at all. It feels kind of strange. Uh, and so Vuex, it's really nice that you have access to the store and all you do is dispatch something. You wrap that, act, you wrap that function in a promise and then you act on that promise in your component. It's beautiful. It's it's super nice, super easy. It's pre- more than anything though, it's predictable. And that's what I like most about it. It's predictable. Right. Yeah, I feel like actions for me are probably one of my favorite parts of UX. Like they just they just make a lot of sense for a lot of different use cases. Yeah, they do. But the nicest thing like well, I mean, I you know, I just talked about how like it makes it feel like very organized, but for me, it's almost like a game of Tetris. So I'll start putting lots of methods inside of my actions object, and then I'll start seeing things that match, and I'll collapse them into one. Uh, so, like I mentioned, my get products by relationship um, relationship type, or I can't remember what I called it. But I noticed that you know I had like get products by store ID, get products by sale ID, and I was like, oh, I can just collapse this into one. You know, why not just accept a type and an ID and make it work for pretty much anything. And so that's what I've been noticing is that uh, it's leading to a lot less duplicated code because I see it in one place and it's easier for me to keep in mind. You know, it's easier for me to look at and be like, oh, I can collapse this down. Whereas if it's spread across different files, you tend to forget about things. And then suddenly, I mean, that's kind of where bloat comes from, right? That's like how the file size of your app starts to grow is when you start having duplicated code kind of crop up all over the place. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely at the point 
with Nest Nuts where I'm kind of looking at my store and my modules and it's it's a little bit like, well, it's time it's kind of time that I need to dry <laughs> this up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, I mean that's it's going to be pretty straightforward to do just because of the way Vuex is set up and the way that all these all these things work together. It's relatively easy to split that out into another module and then I can just import it and you know, it can be a method where you just pass it a class name and it just generates all the all the routes from that automatically. So I, I think that's definitely something I need to refactor soon. But again, thanks to following Vuex conventions, even though it's not currently dry, it will be very easy to dry. Yeah, and even then it'll still be predictable, which is my favorite thing. You start changing it, um, you're going to know right away. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to behave in a predictable manner, which it, I can't say enough about, enough about that, just predictability. Like, no, you know, not having surprises is, is very nice. Predictability. Boring apps. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Does Not Compute. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to leave a rating or review in iTunes. It only takes a minute, and it's one of the best ways to help new folks find out about Does Not Compute. While you're at it, you should rate and review all your other favorite spec shows, too. They'll definitely appreciate it. getting energized over here i was pretty tired when we started but i got the uh, got the creative juices flowing now so <laughs> gonna have to kick into round two after this <laughs>